I'm Alexa Wybranek. You are listening to... My name is Alicia Vozza. Join us as we go behind the scenes. Uh, my name is Paige McClanahan. Storytelling and social media. Learn every day something new. Super interesting, super challenging. And that kind of spot-on messaging is crucial. Communication and development practitioners, we can work more and more together. You are listening to Communication for Development Podcast. Hi. I'm Alexa Wybranek, a writer, editor, and lifelong learner. Welcome to Communication for Development, a podcast by the ITC ILO. When I started my first development job at the age of 25, I had so many questions, but I felt like I was overloaded with information and I couldn't make sense of it all. So now I'm here with my whole team of media professionals to find answers and explore topics that matter in communications today. We talk to experts on subjects like project planning, storytelling, and social media. Join us as we go behind the scenes, get insider information, and learn what drives and inspires some of our favorite C4D projects today. Let's get started. Today, I'm talking to Alice Vozza. Alice is a skills specialist at the ILO office in Pretoria. Previously, she worked in Zimbabwe on the ILO Green Enterprise Project, which aimed to promote skills for green jobs in the country. Her areas of expertise include enterprise development, skills development, green jobs, private sector development, and project management. Okay, so as soon as you start to listen to this episode, you might start to wonder, why did they decide to interview someone who is not a communications professional? So let me give you some background. Alice Vozza has been working with the ILO for the past 15 years. And her work is mainly focused on preparing the workforce to become more employable throughout different economic transitions. But not only, because as we all know, communication touches us all sooner or later. We worked with Alice while she was with ILO Zimbabwe to promote a project about green jobs and entrepreneurship. She was instrumental in explaining the project to us, liaising with stakeholders and staff in the field, and collaborating with us to come up with an amazing website that told the story of the project and all of the people involved. As for us, we helped her connect with a local photographer, we came up with a unique brand identity, and we wrote human-centered stories that turned on empathy and emphasized innovation. So in this episode, we explain how we brought that project to life. Sit back and listen to find out how you too can come up with amazing projects alongside project managers from the ILO or other organizations with a similar mission. So here's my interview with Alice. Hey, Alice, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you again. And thank you so much for making the time for this interview. 
Now, before we get started, we have one question that we ask everyone. Where is home for you? So home is in Pretoria at the moment. Um, I, I also have home back in Italy. But let's say at the moment home is, uh, is Pretoria in South Africa. Since I moved, I haven't gone to the office yet, if not to collect my laptop. Uh, and then I went back again when I crashed my laptop and I had to collect a new one. I hope that you get to meet your colleagues in person. <laughs> uh, okay, great. So let's start. So um, when we first connected, we were working on the Green Enterprise Project in Zimbabwe. Um, and that was an ILO initiative. Um, and you lived there for several years or am I wrong? Yes, I was there for about three years, a bit less. Yeah, and it was a project uh, Yeah, from 2018 to end of uh, 2020. Um, what was it like to live in Harare? Like, what was your day-to-day -day life like? Unemployment, informal economy, so if you, you name it, I mean, lack of a currency is to start with you no know? so um, but despite that it it's a vibrant community i think as it often happens people learn out of struggling and um and become very creative so i think what uh, remains with me a lot about zimbabwe is the yeah, the resilience and the creativity of people, the capacity of doing many things despite uh, the challenges and against the odds. Uh, I was working with a community of entrepreneurs and small and medium enterprises, and um, it's quite unbelievable how much we could do despite a not favorable business environment. I turned my house into... Um, you know, serious uh, renewable energy <laughs> type of setting where we managed to get away. Okay, we don't have power, so we put solar panels. We don't have water, so we build a, uh, a borehole, and somehow you you get a, you get away with it and um, and find a way to yeah to cope with the daily struggle. That's super interesting. Yeah, I I really didn't know a lot of that. So. Um, wow, I would love to visit, yeah. No, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about your actual job as a skills specialist. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work as a skills and a, a lifelong learning specialist? For many years, um, since I joined the ILO, my work was mainly on, on enterprise development or what we call the demand side of skills. So those that receive the skills and create jobs. I've been working with the supply side of skills as well. So it's to prepare the workforce to be more employable and to remain employable throughout the different transitions that um, <clears throat> our economies are facing. I did work a bit with the private sector as well. So my initial working experience was with private companies. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of the, the listeners can already think of lots of ways that um, communication work is connected to um, a sector like skills. 
and maybe they've even already worked on communication campaigns like this. Um, but before we get into the communication part, I have one more question for which is more personal. Um, what drove you to enter the, the humanitarian or the development sector? I think was that curiosity in the beginning of um, yeah how societies work, how can they do better, and if at all, how can I contribute to it? Uh, then over time, you come at peace with the fact that you often don't see how you're actually contributing. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I think uh, it's part of, uh, of the process. The key to our work, I think, is to empower people and institutions to, to do their work. I think communication is always part of our work, just simply because we have to let people know uh, what we do. For example, if you implement a project, then you might do a lot of work, but if it doesn't become visible, then yeah, what's the point? Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that a lot of communication um, for development professionals would agree that they're in this for something bigger than themselves, I guess. I think also a lot of young people are pretty interested in working for a company that has a good uh, mission or like a kind of a, a higher goal, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that that continues and and keeps growing because that's obviously a net good for the world. <laughs> um, um, so let's let's transition a little bit into communication. Um, so you have lived in uh, Kenya also, as well as Zimbabwe and South Africa. Um, so could you maybe talk about how communication has been a part of your work throughout the years, even though you are not um, a communications professional, how has it kind of evolved over your career in the ILO? Um, yeah, what kind of communications um, projects have you maybe been involved in or how have you seen communication projects evolve within the ILO over the years? Communication is the powerful um, channel that you use to spread the voice, amplify the message, make people visible, good stories coming um, up and inspiring other, other countries. So for example, this is what we did a lot in, in Zimbabwe. Sometimes what we suffer is the fact that we think we just communicate one message and it's the same message for any type of audience. Whereas I think we are trying to diversify more and more if it's targeting the youth, if it's targeting rural communities, if it's targeting, targeting ministries or if it's targeting businesses, then the tone, the length and, and the type of the messages have to be very different. I want to ask about specifically the Green Enterprise Project, which um, I was a part of. So I wanted to ask about the website, for example, just to take an example of a communications project uh, product from that project. Um, so could you maybe take us through the steps of how did you oversee the creation of that website and what kinds of things should somebody keep in mind if they would like to <clears throat> create a website for their project or 
sort of which partners did you have to engage with to make all the different parts of the website. Um, so yeah, could you just walk us through a little bit about that? We started since the beginning, I think, with the idea of the storytelling. We decided to step out the usual jargon of the organization, leave that for the official reports, but then on the website, um, we decided to develop a space which was more neutral and more engaging. I think that was the, the best choice because it, it really allowed us to to talk about what what we were doing um, through the words of you know of the real people. That sort of fresh identity and, and branding, I think, was quite appropriate for the type of audience we were trying to uh, attract. Yeah, yeah, that definitely also brings up some questions of like, how do you make sure that your communication campaign or your communication project doesn't just fall off a cliff when the actual project or when, you know, what's going on in the country kind of stops or winds down? Bringing everybody on board and Having everybody buy in the idea, we're making something new. That's to start with. And we are all in agreement with that. Then it helped the rest of the process. Because if we had developed just a website and then by the end said, ah, by the way, this is how we communicate, then we would have uh, faced a number of problems. We engaged uh, also community of local video makers, photographers, and communication practitioners. Uh, that through a journalistic style helped us to just give a new face to to the ILO. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, definitely the community, I really felt it very strongly with that project. Um, and actually one of my favorite parts of the initiative was that podcast series about entrepreneurship, which the Tafadzva was the host of it. And I remember listening and just thinking, this is brilliant. I mean, uh, it's really the epitome of like meeting people where they are and giving them the information that they need when they need it. Um, so I, I was actually wondering, like, did that, was that project or was that podcast like a success? How did it go? Um, like, what was the impact of that one? Radio is still something that reaches out to everyone. And you don't even have to own a radio because you would have the local radio in the community where you hang out with and uh, you take your local transport and there is radio on it. So it, no matter where you are uh, or you have it on your phone, if you are lucky to have a phone, but otherwise I think it's a, it's a channel that um, reaches out much more than internet and um, emails or anything else. Short podcast with brief interventions, with examples, with invitees every time that would share their experience. Um, and then it was followed up by a WhatsApp uh, coaching session as well. So as an entrepreneur, you would listen to the radio program and then you would have your exercises and a tutor that would check on you via WhatsApp and you could, you know, do your, your course and somehow submit your, your deliverables. So it was an interesting combination of different, <laughs> of different means. And by the way, at a very minimal cost. I think that that's just 
I don't know, one of the best communication projects that I had seen that year. So I really liked it. Um, <laughs> um, now, I, I have just one more question. If you have more time, I know that we're going a little bit long, but um, I just wanted to, to ask about rural areas. So of all the places that you've lived in and worked in, um, I think that some of those places have been quite remote. So I'm just wondering how is communication in rural areas different from urban ones? I mean, what are the kinds of things that communications professionals might want to keep in mind when they're working in a rural context? So, I mean, I think that the pod, the, the radio slash podcast um, is a good example of how to, for example, keep costs down and meet people where they are in the sense that in case they they're not very connected to the internet, at least they can listen to the radio. Um, and so you should, for example, create a radio show for them. And that's a better idea than creating a website, for example. We used to travel a lot to the local communities and um, meet with people um, in the different districts and provinces. And also, I think it's important to identify um, the local communication channels, what are they exactly? Where do people meet? How? And then you build on them. For example, even the use of local newspapers, um, it's very important. We run an innovation challenge within uh, the project, which was targeting different businesses. Then we would have uh, road shows, we, we call them. So you, you basically go organize in, in a gathering, getting people together, have um, a number of local uh, youth associations helping you out to, to get the young people on board and then organize different stands where uh, you just provide information. Uh, it can be through an open session, but also in little breakout sessions where um, yeah, you just engage in a conversation. Very often we are not the best placed to, to make that type of communication. So we worked a lot with other organizations on the ground. They know exactly how to communicate with their stakeholders. Yeah, yeah, all really good things to keep in mind and I hope helpful for everyone listening. Um, so I just have a few like rapid fire questions. Just answer them with the first thing that comes into your mind quickly. <laughs> okay, so the first question, what is your favorite part of your current job? Uh, the fact that I learn every day something new. Uh, what's the last thing that you created yourself or that you made from scratch? Going back to the Green Enterprise Project, the business development program that we designed for small and medium enterprises. Would you recommend people read? There is this book I, I just read um, about, I haven't read the book yet, but I'm very interested in, and it's called Noise. It discusses about uh, how uh, noise produces errors in many fields. Uh, it can be not only in the field of communication, but in the field of medicine, law, public health. We've seen that in particularly during COVID or business or any other field. So um, 
Yeah, I'm quite intrigued because I think very often uh, the amount of noise that we have around us can lead us to make wrong decisions or to um, just get a, a wrong understanding of what the reality is. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. I'll put that immediately into my, my book, my to read <laughs> list. Is there anything else that you would like to add um, to the conversation? I think uh, communication is going through a massive transformation, um, like any field, uh, and, and the pace of it is, uh, is fast. I mean, it's quite uh, difficult to follow. I just wish that communication and development practitioners, we can work more and more together and uh, make the task less overwhelming <laughs> and scary uh, as, we, as we go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a two-way street, no, because I mean, like we were talking about, um, I also love my job because I learn new things all the time. And um, I mean, it's just one of the best parts of it, you know, to learn things that are totally outside of the realm of everything that I studied in journalism or in like the humanities, like learning French and Italian. I mean, they bring me like all of those things that brought me here to this current job, but learning is really lifelong. So I think that it's um, a pretty enriching uh, sector to work in the humanitarian and development world. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a great place to end the conversation. Um, and uh, just one last question that I ask everybody, is, where can people find you and connect with you on the internet if people want to learn more about what you do, about your job, maybe send you a message, what should they search for? I'm on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn, and lastly on emails so but i don't think email is the most effective way uh, because i receive an average of 200 emails per day so uh, i would say <laughs> don't email me <laughs> try to find other means don't email her <laughs> no <laughs> All right, that was great. Thank you so much for everything and for making the time to talk. I love talking to Alice. Her deep thought and curiosity about her work is so inspiring to me. So let's dive right into my main takeaways from our conversation. Number one, even if your job title doesn't include the word communication, you'll probably be involved in a communication project sooner or later. If you work in development, you have to let people know about what you're doing. You have to spread messages, get stakeholders involved in your initiative. You have to show the impact of your work. So like Alice said, if you do a lot of work and there's nothing to show for it, what's the point? Number two, don't use jargon. I can't stress this enough. There's nothing that turns someone off like an acronym that they don't know, or a tone that seems weirdly sophisticated for the medium. They read it and they immediately think, this isn't for me, I don't even know what that means. And on that note, you can't use the same message for different audiences. 
So you need to adjust your messaging based on your target, whether it's youth, rural communities, businesses, whatever. And remember, Alice said that the fresh identity and the branding was one of the most important parts of the Green Enterprise Project. And number three, meet people where they are. Like I said, I love the radio show idea because it's clearly the local communication channel. People hang out together and listen to the radio, or they take a taxi and the radio is playing, or they listen on their phones. And that, combined with the coaching sessions that are done through WhatsApp, it's all just perfect for the target audience. And that kind of spot-on messaging is crucial. Again, if people can't find or access your work, what's the point? So if I had to sum it all up into one main takeaway, I would probably say that a lot of communication is like a puzzle. When you design the right product for the right people, it's not always easy, but it's super rewarding when you do it right. And in Alice's case, at a super minimal cost. So I, for one, am totally inspired by Alice's work and her dedication to getting it right. And I hope you are too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find ITCILO on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram at ITCILO or at our website at ITCILO.org. If you have a question, you can email us at c4d at itcilo.org. That's the letter C, the number four, the letter D at itcilo.org. See you next time.